You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 45. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This episode is sponsored by our new free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. I'm talking about the dream job every mom wants. In it, I'll cover the requirements for a flexible job, especially if you're a mom, how to build your six-figure salary trajectory, why tech is great for moms, and why moms are great for tech. Join me this Tuesday for this helpful and fun free training, Three Steps to a Flexible, High-Paying Tech Job. Sign up at youartechie.com slash three steps. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash the number three S-T-E-P-S. I'll see you there. Hello and welcome. Today we're talking about how to make six figures in tech. I love this idea of six figures because before I re-entered the workforce, I would think about this a lot. So I'm staying at home with my kids and I'm thinking making six figures or making a six figure hourly rate. That was my goal. Like, how do I do that? How do I be a great mom? But I really want to make like a six figure rate. And for me, I liked hourly because I wanted to return. I did return part time. It was a little, first it was full time, there was a little part time, but I kind of focused on being a part-time worker. So I liked the idea of hourly rate and I only get to talk about money for a few reasons. So let's, let's talk about what those are. The other reason I like hourly rate is I feel like we can get a handle on it. Like it feels like a really tangible number, right? Like 40. Just for a quick calculation, if you don't know this, you can just multiply the hourly rate by 2000 because a full-time worker works on average 2000 hours per year, or that's what they're supposed to work in a 40-hour work week. And that can give you the annual salary. So it really doesn't matter if we're talking about an annual salary or an hourly rate. We can use the term hourly rate and and do a quick calculation. Okay. Also, many of you that are listening are looking for freelance work. So you will likely be quoting an hourly rate. And then finally, we're going to talk about hourly rate because it's going to help us show the level up scale and how to make progress on that hourly rate. And yes, we can do it with a salary, but I think it's just going to be more tangible for us because I know this really worked for me. Also, I know that when it came time for me to quote my hourly rate, I was able to get comfortable with that number easier than I was able to get comfortable with a salary. Okay, so now for the six figures part. I want to encourage each and every one of you to make six figures. Why? Because it is very doable for you and manageable. It really is. And it may not be the rate that you should charge today, but I'm going to show you how much you should be charging and then how to charge more. But it is a rate that is achievable if you just keep making steady progress by adding value. So because it's achievable, I really want to encourage you to get to that rate. And if you're thinking, 
I'm not worth that rate, then I just want you to do that personal development work that you have to do because I'm telling you objectively that if you have these tech skills and you level up in the right way, that leads to a six-figure salary or a six-figure rate. So it doesn't really matter if you feel like you're worth it. It only matters if you have those skills. Okay, now we're talking about how to make six figures in tech, but let me define what I mean. I'm going to be really focused. I'm going to name seven job titles for you. These are seven that I like to talk about a lot. And then we're going to kind of dive into a few of them more specifically. But I'm not saying these are the only seven. I'm not saying these are the only ones I recommend. I'm just saying these are some pretty good targets for you to have because you can easily find these job titles. Most of them have to do with software development, always a great field of technology software development, my personal favorite. And these have varying levels of code needed, which as you know, I know all of you are capable of coding, but you may not all choose that. And I like to kind of mix that in. So let me list these seven out. And um, if you really are just totally overwhelmed and not sure where to go, that's why I created my course, What Tech Job is Right for Me. Um, you can go to urtechie.com and go to click on Started, and you can find that course. It's very affordable, but it really helps walk you through how to pick which one of these. Okay. So, number one, social media or social media manager. Number two, digital marketer. Now you could be in a lot of different types of marketing, but digital marketing is pretty tech heavy. It really is. Number three, UX design. Number four, full stack JavaScript developer. And I love that one. If you're just starting out, just put a junior in front of it, junior full stack developer. And I love junior full stack JavaScript developer. I think that's a great one. We have a new course coming out where we're going to teach you the way to do that through JavaScript, because JavaScript can be front end or it can be full stack. Okay, number five, Scrum Master. And that one is less likely to be freelance. I don't know a whole lot of freelance Scrum Masters. So if you are one, hit me up in the Your Techie Facebook group. Um, but normally that's kind of an in-house rule. And I will say, we're talking about six figures. I will say to be a scrum master who makes six figures, you probably will have multiple teams. And sometimes that's called an agile team lead, an agile coach, something like that. So I will say that. Okay. Number six, instructional design. And that is less about software development and more about learning. Number seven is semi-custom developer or WordPress web developer. And sometimes you'll see WordPress web design developer, you're going to be doing both of those, the design and the development work. And we'll dive into that if you're like, I don't know those. You can always go back and listen to them again. But we're going to go over just a few of those. I'm not going to, I don't quite have enough time to go over each one of them, but you'll get the gist with just a few examples. So we're going to start off with social media manager. This is a great example because there is a very different rate for the value you add. What do I mean? As a social media manager, you will likely start out at a low rate. So I'm going to say $20 to $25 an hour. And the reason for that is because the creation of social media assets is not in and of itself all that valuable. What? So 
a business will not be able to afford to pay you a high price point for the creation of social content unless that is driving business revenue. Okay, so what that means is the quantity of social media content is not going to be a good driver of price point. But I do see this all the time from a social media business or from freelancers. They'll say, I'll do this many posts for you for this rate. Now, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But a business is not going to get a ton of value from that. So it will always reduce your prices unless you can do one of the following. If you can bring in new followers, subscribers, or members, you can raise your price point. If you can get a ton of engagement from your posts, you can raise your price point. Or if you have a comprehensive organic social strategy that brings in more leads, again, that business is going to pay you for that. So. If a business is already doing some of these things, like if they already have a comprehensive organic social media strategy, and then they bring you in-house, you will see that that is a higher earning salary if that business revenue is driven by an organic social strategy. This is kind of an interesting thing. So if you look up some job postings and you see that the social media manager is not making very much, that is because that business is getting their leads from places other than social media. So two things. One, that's not going to be a great place to work. Or two, if you know some tricks on how to grow that, you can earn a higher rate like 30 to 35, maybe even $40 an hour if that is a really important part of the business strategy. And some businesses, big and small, corporate and, and not, their social media works really well. It kind of depends on the business. It depends on the messaging. And it depends on if they know and can easily find their audience on specific platforms, whether it's across platforms or, or different things. So like LinkedIn, some people, they do great on LinkedIn. If you can kind of ride that balance between personal and professional, but be interesting, some people do, do great. And some people only do their social media on LinkedIn. I will say that at Your Techie, Facebook is a much bigger audience for us. That's really where we find a lot of people. It's a little bit safer space for them, I think. They're like, I'm not sure that I want to post things on LinkedIn. I want to do more networking to figure out my job. I want to have more mentors and more guidance and, and just feel really comfortable with that. That's why we do a lot more on Facebook. So you can, just to kind of summarize Social Media Manager, if you're a freelance social media manager, you can charge a higher rate. If you can guarantee, or maybe guarantee is a strong word, even if you can just quote past results that you're likely to get for your new customer, you can charge a higher rate. And that's going to change the trajectory of your salary. So if you can quote past results, you should be able to get up to that $50 an hour price point in social media. If you know how to, you know, use hashtags effectively, if you know how to drive engagement, and if you know how to find the right people, that's how you can get up to that six-figure range, which $50 an hour would be about, would be about six figures. I just want to say, like, the way to do social media is 
there's no right one right way, which is pretty tricky. One of my high school friends, I'll say, but we, we weren't even really that close, but I follow her and she runs an MLM and she's just so good at social media. I love reading her posts. I don't even buy from her. I should buy from her, but she's really good at it. And she does have some images and she does have some video, but it's her writing that's really good. And sometimes people even comment like, wow, you're just so good at this. And she can seamlessly integrate her business into her life. And so she's not one of those people who's like always selling, always selling, always selling. She's not. She's really good at writing. So if you can, but sometimes a video will capture the most attention. It's kind of finding that balance. I will say that unless you are some type of social media genie, or unless you start a social media company, which you could just have a couple of employees and you can relatively, you know, teach them. I think you could grow that pretty. I, I know you could handle that. Um, if you did that, you could get beyond that six figure rate. But I think an easier way to do that, actually, once you get up to that $50 an hour rate, if you're like, I really don't want to run a company, Ellen, I think you should. But if you don't, then another way to do that is to take the short leap from social media to digital marketer. So I talked about Facebook. If you're doing social posts on Facebook, moving to Facebook ads is not an enormous leap. Now it's different. I'm not saying that's not the same thing. So don't be like, oh, now I do Facebook ads. You got to do a few, but it's different. But if you give yourself time to adjust to those differences, a lot of the same skills are there. Finding the right people, finding the right messaging, building excitement. All of those are transferable to digital marketing. You're just working with a budget. So you're just basically, I mean, if you think about it, a Facebook ad is just looks like any other post. It just has that word sponsored in front of it and you're paying for it. So you really want it to get more attention. But a very common rate in digital marketing is $75 an hour. And if you're really effective, you can absolutely charge $125, 200. You can absolutely charge that if you're getting the leads. Now, if you're sitting here like, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's okay. Then you just start lower, but no, like if you just want to run Facebook campaigns and then if you kind of get the feel and you get the gist and you start getting good at it, that's how you're going to raise your rates. And if you track campaigns over time, you will be able to see the trends and be able to figure that out. So I'm just kind of letting you know, If you're thinking digital marketing, but that feels like a big leap, why don't you head into social media management and then go into digital marketing and be a shorter leap. And that'll continue to increase that salary trajectory if you don't want to build that social media company that I strongly recommend you build. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we're moving on. Um, So that's how you're going to get to six figures in social media and in digital marketing. Let's move on to the next three we're going to talk about are UX design development, so full stack development, and then semi-custom web development. And if you are not sure of the difference of those, I'm going to go over it because don't worry if you're confused. I would say this is like the number one confusion with most newbies that come into our our group. It's like, well, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? Or I want to code or be a UX designer. So I'm going to lay these out and I'm going to lay out the um, six-figure trajectory. But just so you know, like you can make six figures in any of them. So I really want to encourage you to do the one that you're most interested in. I know a lot of times there was this person, oh, wait, it was me. And I used to think about, well, what would pay me the most money? But 
I was a developer and I liked that work. It was good work. It served me well, but I just felt way more passionate about making products that people could use. And that's why I became a UX designer. And you might say, Ellen, that's not the right salary trajectory, but it was for me. It really was for me. And I'm glad I made that choice because I've continued after years and years to be passionate about users having a great experience with a product. And so I just want to encourage you to make that decision that's right for you, because all of these can lead to an excellent salary. So we're starting with UX design. It's my baby, the work I specialize in, and it's what we focus on in the coaching program. So if you're like, I know I love UX design and I totally want to get hired in that, go to urtechie.com slash coaching and sign up for that program. I do a 10-week program where I walk you step-by-step through both a UX design portfolio and getting hired content. I have a an amazing interview, strategic interview process that will absolutely be successful in getting you that job that you want. So that is uartechie.com slash coaching. Okay. In UX design, we do not code. I know, I know. There are a lot of jobs out there that list coding as a skill in the UX design title. But unless you tag on other titles like UI developer, front-end developer, unless you're adding those things, a pure UX designer does not code. Now, why is that? That's because they kind of are busy doing performing user research, creating designs, creating wireframes and prototyping, then performing usability testing, iterating on those designs before they go into requirements and implementation. There's a lot involved. It's very time-consuming. So I am going to be talking about that and that job title. That's the one I want you to focus on. I understand that there is crossover between them. That role that I just described, all those duties that I just talked to you about, that starts around $30 to $35 an hour, okay? That's the baseline starting salary for a UX designer. And again, includes building the wireframes, using the wireframing tools, creating style guides, that would be part of it, doing the UX research of talking to users, and then analyzing how they interact with the product, usually through some type of data. To earn that $50 to $60 an hour, which is where most senior UX designers are going to be, you need to be the person who can improve engagement, make the overall product easier to use, drive customer acquisition through testimonials and referrals. So are you guys hearing like the words I'm using? Very good words to put on your LinkedIn profile as you acquire those skills. Like literally, I know it can feel a little bit ambiguous, but when you really put those words down and you're like, that's what I want to do, that's the skill that will get you to that rate. Okay. And that might sound like a lot. You're like, I don't know how to drive customer acquisition through testimonials and referrals. If you're like, I'm just doing my first wireframe, I understand. But the way that you get there is by continuing with the same project and the same product and continuing with the same users and really learning that edge of how do I make it even better for them? How do I make it so that they love it and that they want to tell their friends about it? That's really when you're adding a lot of value as a UX designer. And that's how you're going to cross that chasm of earning six figures. That's how you're going to go from 30 or 35 to 50 or 60. That's the differential. So if you're sitting there like, I'm frustrated, I'm not. To be clear, you're going to want to do those things first while you're making the 30 or 35. 
do those things that I talked about, make the overall product easier to use, drive customer acquisition through testimonials and referrals, improve engagement, do those things, show that you're doing them, and then ask for a raise because that will be commiserate with your skills. Cool? Okay, now we're going to talk about developer. I know this is a popular one because it is the highest paid. So I'll be honest, you're going to be pretty darn close to six figures with only like two or three years of experience. But here's a mistake that I see a lot of new developers make, okay? Number one, I think if they just fill up their repo with a bunch of different programs, or if they learn a bunch of different languages, that they're going to be hired for more. This is not so. So if you're just starting out, you can get a very good job as a junior developer, full stack position, knowing only React and a little MongoDB. I'm going to say that again because that's, that's a mouthful, but honing your focus is going to be really important. And so if you're like, I should learn this, I should learn that. I'm telling you to become a junior full stack developer, which is what I advocate junior full stack developer. If you're like, I'm just going to be a front end. There's nothing wrong with being a front end developer. Everyone's going to want you to go full stack anyway. So if you really are owning that developer title, I recommend junior full stack developer. You can know React in a little MongoDB and that's it. You don't have to be an expert in Python. In fact, I see Python derail a lot of would-be developers because I don't think it's a great starting point. It's not 100% true, but it's just not a great starting point. I recommend, even though I know it pays higher, I know it does, but if you start off with it and you never continue, I don't call that a success. I think that there are other languages that are just a little bit simpler to go with, and you can learn Python down the road. Okay, so you're better off if you're like, I don't even know if I like development, then just learn HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, or they call that vanilla JavaScript. That'll give you enough for that front-end developer role. But if you can learn React, which is a JavaScript framework, you can transition into that junior full stack. So that one, I think, is worth putting the time in to learn it. And there are other ones, but I'm not going to tell them to you because then you're going to want to learn all of them. I'm only going to tell you that one. You have to go find the other ones. <laughs> and um, in React, I can, t I can tell you, is a popular one that you can find a job and you're going to see a lot of. So I would just go with that one because it's going to make, you're going to reduce a lot of hurdles. And, but you will be in a better financial position if you add that React than if you start at front end. But if you're like, no, Ellen, I need to make money faster. Okay, then just do the front end. But if you can put in an extra six to eight weeks and get some React in your repo, you're going to be in an even better financial position. But let me tell you, like, what is the differentiator in code? Because I know a lot of newbies are also like, more code, more code, more code. What's the line of code that I need? If I would just memorize these lines of code, that is not what is going to make you valuable. Memorizing lines of code, unhelpful. Every developer I know, they look up lines of code. I'm sorry to reveal that curtain, that magic curtain, all the ones, even the experienced ones, they look up lines of code. So what are they getting paid for? They're getting paid to solve problems. And you're going to get better at solving problems if you've solved more problems. So take on a problem and solve it. If you didn't need every line of React to solve that problem, to write the code, it's okay. Just demonstrate that you can solve a problem. When you get hired as a developer, the way that you do it is with a, like a test of solving a problem. And they're looking to see how do you think. And sometimes not solving it perfectly is okay. 
Like you could solve it after the fact, or they just want to see how you think about it. And do you ask the right questions? That's a big piece of it. And the way to ask the right questions is to really get in front of it and do more problems. So I'd rather see fewer things in your repo and more experience solving problems. Even if you have to do that for free, like I always advocate free in quotes, do freelance projects. If you don't know where to find a free coding, like who wants you to work for free for code? Come on. That's got to be so easy. Post in your techie. We'll get in the Facebook group. We'll get you one. Like there's so many people that want developers to work for free. You could also just think of your own for the first one. That's kind of how I advocate it. Think of the, your own for the first one and then do one for someone else. That should give you a lot of practice thinking through what someone is actually going to pay for. Okay, we're moving on. And, and as far as salary, you're probably going to start for a developer. You're going to start just under six figures, right? Maybe 40, $45 an hour, maybe 35, but 35 to 45. And then you should be up over that six figures pretty quick. If you're good, maybe even shorter. Okay, we are moving on to semi-custom development. And specifically what I'm talking about here is WordPress. So many of my UX design students come thinking that they're going to be a web designer because they aren't really sure of the difference. And what I'm going to do is separate out the tools, the tools of the trade. And so you can understand the limitations and the benefits of each. Just to go over, these are all jobs you can earn six figures. There's no right or wrong answer, except if you try to do all of them, that's going to be really not a great strategy. Really pick one, okay? So UX designers will focus on wireframing tools like Figma or Xure, and then also some quantitative research tools like maybe Hotjar. That's what they're going to be doing in their work, okay? A developer is going to use an IDE, that's an interactive development environment, like VS Code. And then they're also going to use GitHub. Those are the tools. A semi-custom web developer, so you're working in WordPress, you're going to use WordPress. You, you might use a wireframing tool, but more likely, you're going to be doing a theme with a template like Elementor. And Elementor is just a plugin in WordPress. And there are many other options, but it's a great one to use. It's very straightforward. And, and you can build different sample templates that are going to serve as your wireframes that you can fill in to create a website. And with WordPress, the only other thing you're going to be, the only other tool really is that you're going to be adding plugins to account for the different features and functionality you want your website to have. And a plugin is a segment of code, but you don't really look at the code or know the code. If you're working in WordPress, you don't need to know any code. You can just download the plugin and then use it. Now, there are ways to write code in WordPress, but most people are not using it for that because there's, there are so many plugins that you can use. So all three of those jobs. And again, um, so what do you charge for that? I would start at the lower end with a, if you're doing WordPress, if you're new, 20 to $25 an hour, I would start there and I would do freelance projects and I would up that five to $10 every project until you get to what? That $50 an hour. Yes, you could definitely go beyond that. If you can be really effective, if you can be streamlined and if you can help drive SEO and traffic to that website, that's going to add more value. That's going to push you over that. So UX designer, developer, semi-custom web developer, all of them are going to get you to six figures. 
as well as that social media manager we talked about, digital marketer. So the only challenge is picking one and sticking with it. That will really be the key differential between achieving that six-figure mark and not understanding the difference between them in the first step, okay? Now that you understand the difference and you can really pick one, your next step, I want you to define your dream job. You have a little bit of an idea about what the different jobs entail, and I have a free download for you. You can go to youartechie.com slash dream job, download that free guide. That's going to keep you moving on your tech career path and get you moving on that six-figure mark before you know it because you are techie. I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the You Are Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.